Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis and commentary, uh, maybe even to be a shoulder uh, to cry on for a lot of uh, upset fans right now, and you have every right to be uh, upset and uh, in your feelings without question. Uh, before I bring in uh, my great co-host, Sam Gordon, I want to let you know the Vegas Station podcast, all of them, uh, are sponsored by Station Casinos. STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire, uh, excuse me, uh, Blue Wire and Liquid Death. If you haven't uh, picked up some Liquid Death, uh, I urge you to go do so. I've got some that I'm going to be sipping on here throughout the show um, because I need it. And uh, everyone can use uh, some great water. So Liquid Death is your uh, should be your go to uh, for that. Sam, how are you doing, my friend? Vinny, doing well, doing well. Uh, an adventurous trip back uh, to Vegas from New Orleans, uh, but I am here. Um, I understand you are in Sarasota, sunny Sarasota, right outside Tampa. How was Florida so far? <laughs> yeah, um, it was. It's been good, um, you know. And I got in yesterday. Uh, stayed in the Tampa area yesterday, then uh, drove down today to the Sarasota area. Uh, practice bright and or well, not practice bright and early tomorrow morning. It's going to be uh, about twelve thirty local time for practice, but um, we get a t- chance to talk to Dave Ziegler bright and early at 8 a.m. local time here on the East Coast, uh, the Raiders general manager, to talk about trades that didn't happen. <laughs> Sam Gordon, uh, the trade deadline literally just passed a few minutes ago from when we uh, taped this um, this this podcast. So uh, no trades for the Raiders. I'm not surprised, Sam. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, basically from what I've been told, you know, the, the Raiders are really looking at this as a, you know, long-term deal. And I know that that rubs some fans the wrong way because, you know, invariably on Twitter I'll get, but Vinny, you know, uh, we've been at this for 20 years or so. What about the long-range plan for the last 20 years? Well, you know, um, I get it and I understand it as we started the show with Raider fans have every right to be upset uh, in their feelings, Um disappointed, all of that, you know, for what's happened over the last 20 years and what's happened over the first seven games of this year. But um, aside from the first seven games, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and the and the front office that they're putting together, um, you know, at, at Henderson or have put together at Henderson, they had nothing to do with the last 20 years. They've got a vision for the future. Has it worked out to this point? Absolutely not. You can't. There's no way to sugarcoat anything. They're two and five right now. Um, and I don't think anyone expected it uh, to be the case. Uh, but they're not going to let um, some short term frustrations or, you know, the fact that they haven't gotten short term results um, you know, really make them just kick the whole plan to, to the curb. And you can't do that, Sam. You just, you, you can't. If you believe in what you're doing, um, you have to focus on the process, even over sometimes short-term results. Yeah, well, I just, I mean, from a, from a trade perspective, right? I mean, who are the Raiders really going to add at this juncture uh, that that's going to make a, that's going to change life or that's going to make a major difference. I thought, I think there were a number of players I thought we saw a number of trades, uh, I think in the last couple of days where you did see impact players, uh, Roquan Smith, TJ Hawkinson, among others uh, in deals, Jeff Wilson, there, there are deals around the league, but uh, with where the Raiders are at right now, I mean, the question is, do you want to a take on more long-term salary or, or B um, give up future assets 
when 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 you're you're trying to, like you said, build something uh, longstanding uh, in terms of being sellers at the deadline, right? I mean, I, I, who, I'm sure there was conversations, but of, of course, nothing uh, materialized. And this is the team, at least right now. So now the for the Raiders with the trade deadline and the rearview mirror, I mean, the focus has to shift to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think what happened on Sunday um, in New Orleans where we were at, at the Superdome, obviously embarrassing, uh, it, it just a disaster in every sense of the word. But the the season isn't over uh, by by any means. It's it's not, and now you have to focus on beating a Jacksonville team that's just as desperate uh, for a win as the Raiders are. So the stakes on Sunday are are huge for for the Raiders with where they're at. I, I think, of, of course, when you saw that kind of stretch of the schedule, of course, the goal is to run the table and, and get over five hundred. I don't think I certainly didn't expect them to do that. I didn't also expect them to lay a complete egg on Sunday the way that they did, but. A loss is a loss. Now they have to move forward and and, and and shift to Jacksonville with the roster that they have. And there are, I think, getting Darren Waller back, uh, eventually getting Nate Hobbs back will help. Those will be some kind of acquisitions in the middle of the season that they can lean on or look forward to. Uh, but this is the group, Vinny. Uh, this is the group. Trade deadline came and went. And here we are with a, a crucial week uh, for the Raiders uh, in Sarasota as they prepare for the Jags. You know, you said something really interesting there, Sam, um, the desperation of another team. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they're in desperation mode, right? You know who was in des- desperation mode um, and I think showed the Raiders what playing in desperation mode really looks like? That was the New Orleans Saints uh, on Sunday. And the problem for the Raiders is um, they didn't match it. They didn't play with that same sort of desperation. They saw what real desperation looked like in how the Saints approached that game, how the Saints played that game, the physicality that they brought, the toughness, the grittiness, the determination, all of those things that, frankly, the Raiders failed at. The Saints succeeded from it. If there's anything that can come out of that loss for the Raiders, it's what real desperation looks like and how a desperate team needs to play. And until the Raiders get to that point from a mental standpoint, um, then they're going to continue to run in problems. If they can figure out a way and just honestly look at their their desperation that they played with, quote-unquote, and how the Saints handle it, and they can honestly say that's what it looks like and that's how we need to play and replicate it, then good things can happen because there's still too much talent on this team for it not to. Yeah, and I think that's what the perplexing thing, Vinny, uh, at least for me, was on on Sunday is that the Raiders came into that game. They were one-point favorite, and, and you take a look at the way they played their first uh, their, their first six games up to that point in which they went two and four. Uh, everything was close. The, all, all the losses were close, even against the good teams like Kansas City. Uh, and, and the wins were, I mean, they beat the teams, you know, Houston and Denver. They, they beat them rather rather handily. So the talent, we've, we'd seen the talent uh, and that's not to say there aren't holes on the roster. We've discussed those throughout the length of the, of the, of the season on our show. But with that said, when you have a Devontae Adams, when you have a Hunter Renfro, when you have a Josh Jacobs, when you have a Max Crosby and, and some of the other playmakers on this roster, uh, to, to, to put forth that kind of showing that they put on Sunday was just, I mean, again, inexcusable in, in every stretch of the word. So uh, it's about playing to their potential. Um, and I'm curious to see, like you said, how they respond. New Orleans was crisp. Uh, there, there was an energy and an enthusiasm with the way that they played. They were the more physical team and, uh, quite frankly, had a great game plan that they were able to execute at a really high level on both sides of the ball, which the Raiders, you know, none, none of which the Raiders did. Everything New Orleans did, the Raiders didn't do. So can they regroup? How will they regroup? What does regrouping for this particular team 
look like after the rock bottom point of the season. I don't think there's any question about that, that this is where we're at the low point with where, as far as where things stand right now after the game that they played Sunday, can they channel some of the desperation that new Orleans play with and and put, put that forth uh, on Sunday and, and, and and execute a game plan at a high level on both sides of the ball. This is a Jacksonville team um, that had some of that has some of the same issues that new Orleans has a young quarterback that is prone to turnovers, uh, a defense that's susceptible to some big plays. You can, you can score on that defense and just an inability to put together a full game. So uh, given that where they're coming from after the New Orleans Saints loss, I thought I thought the Saints game would, would have been tailor-made for them to begin a winning streak of some sort. That didn't happen, but it would seem like the Jacksonville Jaguars are tailor-made for the Raiders to regroup. Uh, and quite frankly, I mean, I, I thought Sunday's game was kind of a must-win, but this now, now we're, we're really in uh, must-win mode if you're the Raiders uh, against Jacksonville, a team that, that they should beat. Uh, that they have a better roster then, and they're going to have an opportunity to beat on Sunday. So uh, will, will they be desperate? I'm not sure, but we're going to have to see a, a, a channeled sense of desperation, a, a refined sense of desperation in order for the Raiders to kind of retool and rebuild what they, their season after, after Sunday's uh, debacle in the Bayou. Yeah, without question. And uh, before we go any further, um, there were some, and I'm going to put these in, uh, you can't see me, but um, I'm going to put these in, in, in air quotes, reports uh, out there coming off the Saints loss that, you know, Raiders owner Mark Davis was having second thoughts about hiring uh, Josh McDaniels. And maybe he was thinking about, you know, pulling the plug uh, on, on, on Josh McDaniels. I, I, I knew um, instinctually uh, these were false reports and uh, frankly, um, shoddy journalism. I'll put it that way, maybe. Um, but uh you know, just to, 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 uh, you know, do my job, you know, I texted Mark Davis and said, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Um, what, what's, what's, what's going on. And, and, you know, Mark Davis, uh, responded quickly and emphatically, uh, that, you know, it's all false and, and that Josh McDaniels is the coach of the Raiders and is going to be the coach, you know, for many years to come. We'll see if that all comes to fruition. Um, you know, but I don't think that at all, that Mark Davis um, has any regrets. Is he happy with the results? Of course not. Nobody is. Um, uh, but that's separate from, oh boy, I made a mistake. I'm going to have to, you know, rethink this. That's not happening. And I think that, um, you know, the Mark Davis is going to give Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler uh, an opportunity to do what they were hired to do and have set out to do. Uh, and that's not just win this year. Um, the bigger plan is building a, you know, football organization that's going to be able to have sustained success year in and year out. You know, the Raiders, it's been a long time since the Raiders have been in that position. Let's be honest. Right. And even, even last year, and I know I'm getting a lot of this, you know, on Twitter, how do you take a playoff team, you know, and make it worse? Well, um, I'm not here to defend anybody at all, but you know, when you look back at last year, um, you know, I remember I remember writing a story after the Cleveland Browns game that laid out, you know, the path that had opened up for the Raiders to get to the playoffs. Part of which, you know, was the Chargers completely bungling a game against the Chiefs. Uh, and then a week later or two weeks later, I can't remember what, but, but very soon after they lost to the Houston Texans. And that opened up a huge door for the Raiders. And so mathematically and, you know, here's the path, you know, and I created this, you know, not created, but just basically laid it on the line. This is how the Raiders can still get to the playoffs in spite of losing. I think they had lost five of six games and they were, you know, basically left for, uh, you know, left for dead. 
And I remember writing this story after they after they beat the Cleveland Browns. You were there in Cleveland. Um, and uh, our editor, Bill Eichenberger, called me and said, are we overplaying this at all? You know, I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know if it's overplaying because the fact of the matter is this is it. This is if they do this, they're in the playoffs and this happens and they're in the playoffs. There, so there is a slight chance. So we're, I don't think we're being, you know, overstating it at all. Uh, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> kind of miraculously so when yeah. you really think about it. Yeah, and a lot of those in the bottle. Right. A lot of those games were one on late second field goals or late game field goals, you know, and, and so it, it, in retrospect, not to defend anybody or um, you know, or or even shortchange what the Raiders accomplished last year, there were a lot of games last year that could have gone either way, you know, and we wouldn't be talking about the Raiders as a playoff team. And I do wonder, um, especially after they've added a couple of extra playoff spots, you know, to the NFL playoffs. Are they really a playoff? You know what I'm saying? Like, was that a little bit of false hope, I guess, is what is what I'm kind of driving home at. Um, and and if you look at it from that perspective and, and start looking at it from the perspective of a, of a Dave Ziegler and the staff that he's putting together and a Josh McDaniels, they don't want just sneaking in to the playoffs. I mean, that's going to happen from time to time. But what they're really trying to build, and I think what Mark Davis wants to build, it's no guarantee that it's going to happen with this particular group. They want a team that's every year that you talk about uh, the NFL, you look at this organization and say they got an opportunity. You know, this is one of the better organizations now. They, it's been a long time since the Raiders have been in that situation. That's what they're kind of striving for. And that's why, you know, I don't think that, sh- that some of the disappointments of this, of this first seven weeks is going to force anybody to pull any kind of a plug on the bigger picture that's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm with you, Vinny. I, I certainly, even amidst the speculation, I didn't expect anything to happen um, imminently but by any means. It's it, Look, it's seven games. Have they been underwhelming and disappointing? No question about it. Um, was Sunday a disaster? Yeah, for sure. Every I think I think that's widely understood, but there's still – uh, there's still 10 games left and, and there's still a lot of be football, a lot of football to be played um, this season. And, and, and clearly, right. That's the prism that the franchise is looking at things through. And like you said, beyond that. Um, so there I, I'm, I, there's no need right now um, to be impulsive. I, I do think, uh, I mean, obviously the Raiders need to be better. Josh McDaniels and his half, staff have to do a much better job. Like that's clear. That's obvious. That goes without saying he knows that they know that Mark Davis knows that everybody in the building knows that. Uh, but until there's a real full body of work to evaluate and we're not there yet because it's only been seven games. I mean, we're not even at the halfway point. Uh, th- it's, it's, there's no need to, to, to be super impulsive here. And like, that's what the Raiders have kind of historically been, right? At least in, in kind of this, this downswoon is a really, really uh, impulsive franchise. Now, if, if there's a huge body of work and a bigger sample size here in Las Vegas and, and these struggles are a perpetual thing that continue and continue and continue, then maybe it's time to have a different conversation. Uh, but as as I guess as underwhelming as things have been at this point in the season, uh, what would that really solve? What would that fix? Would that fix things right now? Would that fix things this season? Would that make things better? Like I, I don't, I just don't think they would at this point. As as underwhelming as the start uh, has been, so it's time to turn the page. Uh, and there's an opportunity again this Saturday that or this Sunday that's going to present itself to the Raiders where they look. It's not it's not too late. It, it, Sunday was was a disaster, but it's not too late by any means. And, and we'll see, right, what this team is, is made of, what this particular 2022 Raiders team is made of. This isn't 2021. It's not the same team. This is a new group. And just kind of like last year's team had to 
navigate uh, adversity, right? Different kinds of adversity, but adversity nonetheless. This year's team has its its opportunity to navigate adversity in its own right, and that I thought was some of the messaging that we heard after the game on Sunday. As embarrassed and as disappointed as everybody was, I mean, what can you do? You can either wallow it, wallow in it, or you can move forward. And we're going to find out which course the Raiders take uh, on Sunday against Jacksonville. Quite frankly. And now it's that time of the show where we're joined by Chuck Esposito, director of race and sports for Station Casino. Chuck, of course, joins us every week here on First and Ten. Talk about the Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, all things sports. Chuck, welcome back to the show. Before we get into anything, trade deadline, right? Came and went. We saw a couple big names uh, move around. Roquan Smith uh, to Baltimore. Bradley Chubb to Miami. Chase Claypool to the Bears. Any I guess kind of big picture takeaways from the deadline and any of these teams, uh, any of these moves that these teams made that could maybe influence things moving forward. I, I think more than anything, Sam, it's uh, it's Bradley Chubb the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins had a, a lot of draft capital. They had gone out and made some savvy moves over the last couple of years. Uh, we know they made the big offseason acquisition of Hill to go with Waddle. Um, they appear to be all in on Tua. Hopefully he stays healthy and doesn't take that big hit. Uh, but getting up another pass rusher there, I think, was paramount. Uh, they're going to have to extend Chubb, but I think that's the, the biggest move, um, you know, for me was uh, that Miami was able to share up that defense, too, and go out and get Chubb um, to really help put pressure on the quarterback. Um, this was the busiest trade day I, I think we've seen in the last 10 years. Um, and a lot of teams, I, I thought, helped themselves and, and got ready for the, the second half push. But I think Chubb, to me, uh, was the biggest move. Yeah, absolutely, and, and and really fortifying that pass rush down there in Miami as that offense continues to hum with Mike McDaniel, Tua Tagovailoa, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and company. Um, <laughs> moving on, Chuck, uh, of course, another uh, interesting week of NFL games, week eight. Uh, it, it comes and goes. Um, just what did you make of it from your side of the counter? Any big takeaways, uh, anything of that nature as as the NFL season continues? Yeah, through, through eight weeks, Sam, I mean, it, it's – the league looks somewhat upside down to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you look at teams like the Jets and Dolphins um, in the AFC that are kind of on top right now, and the Titans maybe a, a little bit of a surprise. And you look over in the NFC and see the Niners only at 500, but see the Rams, the Packers, and Bucks all below 500. So a lot of head scratching. Wasn't a great week for our side of the counter. I think the two biggest games were, you know, being a Raiders fan, that's one mm-hmm. thing, but from the betting side of it, uh, we clearly were rooting uh, for the other side in that game, rooting for the Saints. And the fact that that game stayed under was huge. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and then the, the Sunday night game, everything that was live was really dumping um, into the Bills. And they got off to a start that looked like they had run right through the Packers. Uh, but we kind of got that late cover there, which was huge. But those were kind of the only two games that we really won on our side of the counter. Betters did really well um, with most of the other games. Um, but the league just seems, you know, through eight weeks now, I think that's why you saw so many trades because so many teams are kind of on the cusp of a division or a wild card spot and they wanted to go out and help themselves. So we'll see what the second half holds, but uh, a lot of question marks and a whole lot of parity in pro football. No question, Chuck. No question. As we look ahead um, to week nine, maybe not quite as enticing of a slate of games uh, as we've seen at, at various junctures throughout the season, but nonetheless, uh, still promises to be an interesting week. Uh, taking a look at some of these matchups, one that that jumps out to me, uh, the first place Atlanta Falcons, right? The first place um, Falcons giving three and a half at home to the Chargers. 
who are coming off a bye that just four and three, kind of a wonky four and three total 48 and a half. Chuck, uh, like you said, the league being completely upside down. Um, are you buying Atlanta? I know this is a conversation we've had earlier, but with where things are at in their division, is Atlanta a team that can make a push for the playoffs? And then as far as the Chargers are concerned, where where do you see them right now in terms of the AFC, the AFC landscape? You know, Sam, we've had a lot of internal discussions here about Atlanta. And unfortunately, I'm not a buyer right now. I, I think they've exceeded expectations. Um, I like their, the young players, some of the young players they have. Um, but I'd be stunned if Tampa still doesn't win that division. Um, Atlanta is 3-1 and one at home. Their point, their point differential is negative right now. Uh, they haven't been a good road team. Um, they play a Charger team coming off a of bye. And although the Chargers haven't been good, they're still 4-3. and three. Um, So, you know, I, I think that they were the team that everybody liked in the offseason. They were kind of that Vogue pick. Uh, we've seen this number go up just a tad. So early action uh, has been on the Chargers. But um, for me, although I'm impressed with Atlanta's done, I think they're a good young team. I think uh, Smith has done a great job at head coach. I'm just not a buyer at this point. We got move, keeping keeping the schedule moving along, Chuck. Um, like you, we touched on the Raiders a little bit and what they did last week, but they go to Jacksonville now uh, as one and a half point favorites, total 47 and a half. Uh, feels to me, Chuck, like the loser. This is kind of a, I mean, whoever loses, they're done, right? I, I think uh, Jacksonville, kind of an early season dar- darling. They've really fa- fallen off with their inability to close games. And then the Raiders, uh, this is a stretch that I think offered a lot of promise. They didn't can't play any worse than they did uh, on Sunday against New Orleans. But with two teams with just two wins apiece at this juncture in the season, I get the sense that whoever loses this game, you can pretty much write them off from a playoff perspective. If you get the same sense. You might be able to already, Sam. You know, I, I thought the Raiders coming out of their bye and beating the Texans had to go on a, you know, basically five or six game winning streak. And I thought they could. Um, mm-hmm. They're the only team that has, you know, that is 0-4 um, on the road. Uh, there's a couple teams in the NFC that are 0-3. So last year they were able to win some of these close games on the road. That hasn't been the case. You know, you're not sure what the explanation is for how flat they were in New Orleans. Uh, Saints came off that game where they just got blown out um, by the Cardinals on Thursday night football. Um, But, you know, in the offseason, you go out and get Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. I think the expectation level for the AFC West and the Raiders was much different than it is right now. Uh, A lot of struggles for Broncos and Raiders, but but I think at two and five, although I think you're going to see a team make the playoffs with maybe nine wins in each conference. I think it's a huge uphill battle right now. Uh, they can only take one game at a time. Um, yep. My guess is we'll still be Raider fans or uh, Jag fans when this game kicks off from our side of the counter. Um, but uh, really disappointing through seven games with the Raiders being two and five and letting some games that they could have won get away. No question about that, Chuck. You talk about disappointing a couple teams. I think that are definitely disappointed with where they're at Tampa Bay, and the Rams, Tampa hosting the Rams, giving the obligatory three total 42 and a half. These were two of the most prolific offenses in the NFL the last couple of seasons. Uh, now, neither one of them can seem to move the ball or score at all. Right. Uh, two teams, I think, it, that have that have struggled with older quarterbacks now, uh, former contenders. Who's been a bigger disappointment? Is it Tampa? Is it L.A.? Or is it both of them? I think it's both, Sam. Um, both teams have, uh, you know, are below 500, as we touched on earlier. Both have a negative uh, point differential. The Rams have a losing record at home, and so does Tampa. 
I still think just because of the division, that Tampa will still right the ship. Uh, I love their skill position players. I know that Brady's had a lot of distractions off the field. I know a lot of people do, and everybody deals with stuff differently. Um, I just think with, with that team, that they, they'll be able to win that division. And then once they're in the postseason, if that happens, they're still, still scary good. Um, the Seahawks, one of the biggest surprises in all of football, lead the NFC West. The Niners are 4-4. Four and four. They've beaten the Rams twice. And although the Niners are 4-4, four and four, I think if you had to ask me today who my two Super Bowl picks would be, I'm going to say, you know, Bills, and I'm going to go off the, the Eagles, although I think the Eagles are really good, and some Eagle fans might disagree with me. I think they're right there. But I'm going to make 1A, uh, the 49ers from the NFC, and then 1B, uh, the Eagles. Um, so I think it's a tough Tough division uh, for the Rams, who I think at best will probably be a wild card team this year. Yeah, not 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 the repeat, uh, not the 2022 campaign that either team hoped they would have, but certainly not for the Rams uh, as they attempt to defend their title. Chuck, uh, before we get out of here, any other big takeaways or any other things you're looking at as the Week Nine slate continues? I think the Sunday night game, Sam, the Titans and Chiefs. Um, we, we know how good the, the Chiefs are, and I think they're on a collision course with the Bills to be playing in that. Uh, you know, in the AFC title game. But the Titans, very quietly, I know we've touched on it before, Grable does an outstanding job there. They start 0-2. They've won five games in a row. The rest of that division seems in disarray. Uh, it's a Titan team that because they can run the ball so well, I think it makes them dangerous. Just don't know with Malik Willis only throwing for 55 yards. Um, if Tannehill's not back, can he do enough to compete uh, against a, a Patrick Mahomes? But I think this Titan team in the Sunday night game really is an intriguing matchup. Um, you know, as we kind of come to the end of the schedule on Sunday night football. Rematch of the 2020 AFC championship game. Chuck, a couple teams uh, on, on path to make the playoffs again. Of course, the Chiefs are Super Bowl contender. And like you said, Mike Rabel doing a heck of a job. Derrick Henry over 200 yards looking like King Henry. Chuck, we appreciate you joining us every week. Looking forward to, to you breaking down, again, what promises to be another interesting week, nice slate of games and week 10 next week when we talk. Appreciate your help. All right. Sounds great, Sam. Thank you. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. You know, you, you bring up a great point too. What what difference would it make right now, number one? And number two, does it guarantee anything down the road, making a change? Furthermore, I'll, I'll add this to it. Who's going to want to come coach here if somebody gets their plug pulled after seven games? 
I mean, you think Sean Payton is coming to town under those kind of circumstances or any, any quote unquote, you know, top coach um, would look at a situation and say, seriously, that if, if so, so, you know, if, if, if we struggle out of the gate, I'm, I'm in danger of being fired. I don't want any part of that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there's all sorts of reasons why um, you, you just have to be patient right now. And, and I know that that's a sticking point, you know, for, for Raider Nation. And I get that. and I understand that. But, but nobody that's in this building right now that just got here in January or beyond um, has anything to do with any of the stuff that happened prior to it. They have their... That is not their problem. That's not their deal. They they didn't have uh, any say in any matter. Uh, you know they were they were elsewhere, um, and so you know you, you can't hold all of that against them, or you can't force your um, lack of patience on them for for you know uh, uh, mistakes that were made. You know the last twenty years. It's just not it's just not feasible. So hold on. Um, Josh McDaniels is going to be here for a while, and you know the hope is. No guarantees, but the hope is they find the right mix. They find the right roster. And I know that Dave Ziegler and his group are, you know, um, are trying to do that. I think they totally realize there's holes on this roster. They weren't going to be able to get to every single one in one offseason. That's just not feasible, especially, um, you know, uh, Sam, when you talk about I counted up of the last, if you just go back to the 2019 draft of the first round picks that they had, I mean, Josh Jacobs is really when we're if we're being honest, the only one that's still really, you know, producing at a, at any kind of a level. You know what I'm saying? There's there's guys that aren't even on the team from the the, the two first round picks from 2020 aren't on the team. The 2021 21 first round pick is not on the team. You know how damaging that is to a organization when you don't have uh, players making impacts that you drafted so high and we're depending on you talk about depth issues then you talk about having to replace those guys that you missed on with free agents and spending a lot of money i mean ideally right now it's cleve farrell and max crosby are your homegrown defensive ends wreaking havoc but cleve farrell didn't work out so they had to go out and go get chandler jones who's now disappointing there's no guarantees when you go to free agency you're going to be able to bring in Somebody that's going to get the job done. We all know about Henry Ruggs. That led to having to go trade for Devontae Adams and sign him to a, an astronomical. There's so many consequences, Sam, when you when you miss on so many first round picks. Yeah, no, there there, there certainly is, and and we've kind of we're, we've we saw that play out in the last couple seasons, and and we're seeing it play out. Uh, again, this year in in various ways, um, especially I think I mean when you talk about the issues. Um, that this team has, and 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 a lot of them came to came to the you know that reared their ugly head on Sunday. But especially, I think up front, right? I, I mean, on, on the offensive line, I, I thought that unit. And we've talked about it on the show. They've played better at, at stretches. They 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 figured something out on the ground in that three game stretch, and they were a little better in pass pro. And then that kind of goes all out the window on Sunday um, in New Orleans. And, and you really see some of the, the struggles that I mean, again, a first round offensive tackle in Alex Leatherwood. Didn't make it to his second season with the franchise. That's that he, they that was somebody that was supposed to be a five ten year starter, and it, it didn't exactly. work out. So um, there there are a lot of consequences uh, from those missed draft picks. And to your point, like that wasn't that wasn't this particular um, regime. So have the, have all the offseason moves that they that this regime worked out uh, made have the offseason transactions that this regime made this past year have they all worked out? No, not necessarily. 
but it's one off season and it's, it's, uh, there's going to be a process uh, and it's, it's not satisfying for Raiders fans right now. That's obvious. It's clearly very frustrating and it's frustrating uh, for those in the building uh, in Henderson, but but there are there are still even though there's talent on this team and there's more talent than two and five, there's certainly way more talent than two and five. Uh, this isn't this isn't a team that was I think looked at to be necessarily a, a top flight contender. I certainly didn't believe that. I thought they should be competing for a playoff berth and be in the mix in that sense and maybe win a game, maybe make a little bit of a run. But when you take a look at the upper echelon teams, it's clear this team uh, is still far away and there's going to some reconstruction is going to have to happen. Uh, down the road, but but at least in the short term, Vinny, right? I mean, everything was a problem on Sunday. What do you think in, in terms of when you look at the game on Sunday? What are you most looking towards uh, against the Jaguars? Is it? I mean, I, I I think offensively it was about as bad as you can play, and defensively they weren't any good either. Like, where does a turnaround start if it's going to happen? I think um, I think it starts with everybody looking themselves in the mirror. To be honest with you. And I know I get a lot of it. I know you get a lot of, you know, uh, where were the leaders? And, you know, if you're, if you're, if you need Mac Hollins and Max Crosby and Derek Carr to talk somebody into right before the game playing at a high intensity level, man, that to me, that's a problem. You know, it's, it's, it's on 46 dudes that are live, that are, that are suiting up each week to look themselves in the mirror and understand what it's going to require from an individual, from themselves as an individual to help contribute to a win. How uh, high of a level does does that person, each individual need to play at an efficiency level in order to contribute to a win rather than a loss? And I think if you watched Sunday's game, you'd see a whole bunch of guys that just did not bring it correctly and contributed in a major way to a loss rather uh, you know, uh, than a win. And um, I firmly believe that. I don't expect, I'd be shocked, if the Raiders offense played that poorly again this year, it was just a bad performance. They didn't come out with the right mindset. I thought the offensive line came out um, and played passively rather than aggressively. Um, and that was, it, it was evident almost from the opening snap uh, that they didn't, they weren't ready to play at a, at a high enough level. I don't know what the answer for that is. You have to talk to each individual guy. And if they're being honest, they're going to give you an honest answer of whether or not they played to their ability. This isn't a great offensive line, but it's not. It shouldn't be that bad. You know what I'm saying? Um, from an effort standpoint. So, uh, number one, you need to see the offensive line just bring it at a higher uh, level. I think that that helps get the Raiders back in line on who they really are right now, and that's kind of a running football team that sets up the pass through uh, through through a sound running game. Once that was taken away from the Raiders on Sunday, the running game. It was schools out, man. They didn't have, you know, the offensive line wasn't ready to uh, protect the quarterback at a high enough level. Um, the other team understood what was happening and were peeling their ears back or pinning their ears back and getting after it. Uh, it was just a bad situation for the offense. I don't expect that to happen again. I'd be shocked uh, if it did. And defensively, where do we even start with the defense, Sam? I mean, it's seven games in. It's seven games in. It shouldn't be this shoddy uh, at, at this point. The, the middle of the field has been wide opening, wide open. They can't get pressure on the quarterback. This team has nine sacks. Six of them have come from uh, Max Crosby. Uh, only other defensive lineman that has a sack is a half a sack from Chandler Jones and a half a sack from uh, from Clee Farrell. That's unacceptable. 
Uh, the other the other two uh, were from uh, Denzel Perryman and Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs isn't even on the field right now. Um, you know, they're, they're, the linebackers were missing tackle. It was just – I don't know where to start with the defense, Sam. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think I, – I don't, I don't want to sound like a broken record, Vinny, but but it starts up front, right? And and the the thought, I think, going into the season was you're going to have a really, really formidable pass rush with, with two Pro Bowl pass rushers bookending things, and that's going to compensate – for what you do or don't have on the back end and, and make everybody else better. And it's it just Andy Dalton was was camped out doing whatever he wanted back there. I mean, whatever he wanted, uh, he looked like Drew Brees. And it, the number, it wasn't, I mean, he didn't have to put up gaudy numbers. It was everything was in rhythm. Everybody was open and they were easy throws and yeah. completions. When you give any NFL quarterback, right? I mean, that kind of time. I mean, Andy Dalton has had a nice career, but he's at the journeyman stage where he's a backup or a spot starter or a stopgap. Uh He's still when you give him that kind of time, and when when receivers are winning their matchups because they have that kind of time to get open, and because the short passing game is available, and you know it's a credit to New Orleans and their game plan for what they're able to do. Uh, but any any quarterback's going to look good, and 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 if they have to. I don't know if it what, what it, if it if it's blitzing more. What changes need to happen? Uh-huh. But getting pressure on the quarterback is, I think, where this thing starts, or being able to create some negative plays. Uh, and, and force some turnovers, and, and it's just that that just hasn't happened, uh, save for a couple occasions, a couple plays, handful of plays, handful of sequences uh, this season. And it, it's been it's 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 not what they signed up for. It's not what they the Raiders thought they were getting, and that I think has been the, the biggest problem. And uh, I, I don't know if it's an easy fix per se. I don't know what you know. Again, that's that's not that's what Patrick Graham. Uh, that's on Patrick Graham and, and his staff to kind of get that going, but they have to figure out a way to to get real pressure on on the quarterback and and to not make everything so easy like it was for Andy Dalton the other day. When you look at Chandler Jones uh, and the disappointment, um, you know that he's been with a half of a sack, I think thirteen tackles, nine nine solo tackles, uh, or something along those lines, nine uh, quarterback uh, pressures or hits. Uh, it's just been, you know. It's just it's been bad. Let's face it. But to make it doubly worse is the money that they invested um, in, in Chandler Jones. You know, next year we're talking about um, thirty-two million dollars guaranteed from this year and next year, an eight point three million dollars uh, roster bonus that comes due uh, March of next season. So uh, that's that's forty million dollars that that they are, are going to owe Chandler between now and next year. That makes number one. If you were even thinking about trading him, there's nobody that wants to pick up, uh, you know, that that salary. Number one, uh, number two, it makes making additions that much harder from a salary cap st- standpoint. Next year, Sam, next year the Raiders will be paying their defensive, their their uh, edge rushers, seventy one million dollars. All right, and and sixty nine plus is being paid to Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. So good luck even like people are like, why didn't the Raiders try to trade for, you know, let's just say Bradley Chubb. Well, okay. You're paying your two defensive ends right now, you know, a whole lot of money and are on the hook for a whole lot more money uh, over this next calendar year. Now, Max Crosby is more than earning it, but how do you rectify paying Chandler Jones that much and then being able to bring in additions, you almost can't because there's other holes on the roster and there's other positions that need investment made into it. So it's just really a, uh, it, it hasn't worked out on, on any level. And it's really kind of handcuffed the Raiders uh, in terms of, of trying to bring in and, and fix the, 
pass rush issue. No, it, it, yeah, for sure. And, and just, I mean, it's quite frankly, Vinny, it was one of, I mean, just based on the return on the investment, been one of the worst signings of, of free agency, right? I, I didn't, Chandler Jones, yeah, he's 32, but he was still really good last year. I don't think anybody, I think a little bit of decline uh, you, you could have expected. Uh, but something like this, uh, where where he just hasn't been productive at all, was was I mean, it has to be surprising, right? I'm certainly surprised. That, um, but but it is what it is. We're at we're at the juncture. I mean, it's the halfway mark of the season. He has half a sack, and the Raiders are. I mean, this is the situation that they're in. So it's going to involve some some creativity. I think both this season, uh, just in the micro, in terms of game planning and, and and figuring out how to generate a pass rush, and of course. Uh, he needs to figure out a way to be better, uh, too. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and he wants to be better. This is a a guy who has been one of the best pass rushers in the league for the last decade. Like he, I don't think he wants to go out like this. Um, so there, there, there is, I guess, there is some time to, to kind of figure it out. But um, both in the micro, in terms of in, in terms of engineering a better pass rush, and then in the macro beyond that, figuring out long term what you're going to do there are two challenges that the Raiders are going to have to tackle. And um, it's it's a tough situation, uh, but it's the one that they're in. And and, and again, in, ter- in the short term, how do you how do you get after Trevor Lawrence on Sunday? How can you force him, coax him into some negative plays like the way you weren't able to do to Andy Dalton? Because he'll throw the ball away. He's been doing it all year. Um, he'll turn that thing over. And there are opportunities if the Raiders can get after him. We just haven't we just haven't seen it consistently at this point this season. And now maybe the, with with the desperate circumstances that they're in, needing a win to, to just kind of stay in, on the on the periphery of the playoff chase. Maybe that'll maybe that will bring it out of the Raiders. I don't know. That's what we're going to find out on Sunday. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. They have to uh, absolutely bring it uh, from a desperation standpoint and an urgency standpoint. I know they don't want to use the word desperate, but let's face it, that's where they are right now. Uh, and if you don't bring that kind of desperation and that type of urgency, uh, you, you're just going to kiss your season uh, goodbye. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. I'll be here in Florida uh, with the Raiders all week uh, trying to uh, get a sense of, of where they are mentally and, and uh, how prepared they are. Uh, to play. Uh, the Raiders hope to get some reinforcements in Darren Waller and maybe even Jayon Brown, uh, the linebacker who's missed uh, three games. Uh, both of them missed basically the last three games. Uh, so, um, you know, we'll see if uh, if they're back on the field on Sunday. Certainly that would help um, from a starting standpoint, a depth standpoint. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, no trades at the trade deadline. So essentially the Raiders are going to have to get this done with the group they broke camp with and just hope for better results and hope guys that they're paying a lot of money to, uh, we're talking about you, Chandler Jones, um, can can start doing uh, what they were expected to do, or at least, you know, somewhat uh, what they were expected to. Whatever does happen uh, on, on Sunday, and uh, Sam will be with me in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, and I nothing against our friends in Jacksonville, Sam, but I don't know if you've ever been there. <laughs> But I think <laughs> you're going to, okay, I think you're going to come away with, you're going to drive around, we'll drive around uh, a little bit um, over the weekend and uh, go into the game. And, and you're probably going to ask yourself this question. Why is there an NFL team here? Anyway, uh, you'll you remember I told you about how cold the press box was going to be in, in, in uh, New Orleans. I didn't, I didn't start changing on that. I think no, you're gonna you have, <laughs> it was freezing. <laughs> I was surprised that I didn't get sick. Um, and, Funny story, I forgot. Like I told Sam last week, like brace for yourself. It's gonna be. It's cold. I got up, got it, did a little morning walk on Sunday. It was humid in New Orleans. I, I put on a short sleeve shirt, thinking that was gonna be fine. Completely forgetting what I already knew to be the case that it was gonna be, uh, you know, ice cold in the press box. And uh, so shame on me for not remembering my own advice. How silly is that? 
Uh, but either way, Sam, we'll be here uh, next week to, to go over whatever happened uh, in beautiful in beautiful Jacksonville. Uh, until then, I just want to tell uh, all the listeners and subscribers, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We truly appreciate the support. You're why we do what we do. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, thanks to our great producer, Larry Muir, uh, who always uh, keeps us in line and makes us sound good. I really appreciate that. And Sam Gordon, thank you, my brother. I appreciate it, Vinny. See you in Jacksonville. All righty. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit.